This is Keep It 100, a podcast from Spotswood Creative that is designed to keep it real and honest about worship practices in the 21st century. We want to help you work through those issues like choosing worship songs, leading as a volunteer, worship stereotypes, worship conflicts, and figuring out if the theology is right in the song you just love or if you should just put it away. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Keep It 100. My name is Josh Morton. I'm the worship pastor at Spotswood Baptist Church, and this is my co-host, Bailey Tyler. Hello. Our worship associate here, and we are excited to be back for week number two. Well, I shouldn't say week two. I should say episode, episode two. two. I'm so used to doing these every week and not every two weeks. So this is episode two, um, and I guess uh, we're just gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about how our worship ministry is constructed, I guess, mm-hmm. from a philosophical slash theological standpoint. Yeah. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say so. So um, last week uh, we discussed a lot of different things. I did it again. Last week. Last episode. <laughs> Thanks, James Grady Falk. Thank you. It's your fault. You may have helped us come we'll up with a name. get it one day. But it's your fault that I keep saying last week. So in theater we would always say um, it would be like – Mid rehearsals, and we'd be getting things wrong. We'd be like, "And eh, we'll get it by opening night." Yeah, or well, closing night even. This we, is we'll get it by closing night, and it's like, "Well, we'll get it by the last episode." Yeah, episode. this is so. This is like Saturday. This is a Saturday performance after opening night. Oh on Friday yeah, night. it's like, "Well, we'll get it eventually." Uh, uh, <laughs> one day, one day we'll get it right. All right. So, uh, last week we talked to you about um, about what Spotswood Creative was or is, and what. Uh, keep it 100 is all about. Um, so to really dive into the purpose of the podcast, we're just going to talk a little bit about what our what our worship ministry, which we call Spotswood Creative, is all about. So Bailey, why don't you uh, just kind of recap a little bit, um, like our three major statements and our logo and what it stands for and why it's important. Yeah, so if you haven't seen our logo, you can go take a look at it um, at Spotswood Creative on Instagram and Facebook. Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was not planned. Um, but to paint a picture, it's a circle with, they look like diamonds with like three diamonds, but it's it represents like three panes, three glass panes is what we say. Um, and the glass panes represent transparency. Um, because we feel like people on the platform should be exactly um, the same person they are during the week as well, not just on Sunday. So um, represents transparency, but there are three of them, which also represents the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, it also stands for three important aspects of Swatswood Creative, which is our adult worship, our student worship, and our tech ministry. Um, but it also um, represents... What we consider, I guess, to be our quote-unquote mission statement, yep, um, which would be mend hearts, renew minds, and worship God. And those are kind of the three really important aspects um, that are based out of Scripture when we are um, planning our sets, planning what Spots of Creative is doing, and what we want to maintain. Um, and the Scripture for those, for mend hearts, is 1 Peter 3, 8. Renew minds, Romans 12, 2, and worship God is Psalms 100, 1, through two. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's a lot of thought that went into this logo and I give kudos to Josh because <laughs> my very first day at work, <laughs> we discussed, <Baptism> by fire, <laughs> people. we discussed the logo. Um, and they were like, okay, Bailey, which one do you want to choose? And I was like, I, I've just got here. I, I guess I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah. So Credit to Josh. He um, put a lot of thought into that. And our graphic designer, Evie, who is amazing. Yes. Shout out, Evie. Evie. Um, but, yeah. Well, uh, uh, one thing, a, a question that uh, a question that popped up about, you know, what is Spotswood Creative? Just kind of backing up a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, a question that popped up is what does it all encompass? Mm. So um, we mentioned that we have a traditional and a contemporary service, yeah. right? Um, we also we also have student worship. And we also have tech. What what is in in the adult worship um, traditional and contemporary worship services that includes choir, orchestra, all the bands, all the adult tech people. Mm-hmm. Uh, student tech uh, student worship is all the bands, all the vocalists. Um, 
all um all the tech people from from that and obviously the tech oversees all that. So anyway, just wanted you to know everyone that that I just mentioned falls under Spotswood Creative yeah. moving forward. It's not it's not like oh, we have traditional worship team and we have our contemporary worship team. We're all one ministry. Yep. And that was one of the big, big, big pieces is we kind of felt like we had two separate ministries. No, we're all one. Now. Yeah. Well, so. and something important to reiterate about the Men Hearts Renew Minds Worship God, those are important for all aspects of life, not just worship or just for Spotswood Creative. Correct. Like that is something that applies to everyone. Um, and we just are happening to apply it to worship. Correct. So the first statement that Bailey just talked about, um, we had men hearts re- re- renew. It says review. Yeah, I saw that and I had to do a double take. Spell <laughs> kick. Um, <laughs> men hearts renew minds and worship God. So today we want to talk about men hearts. Mm. Yeah. So we, we live in a society right now that is more polarizing than mending. It's like, do you stand for this? Oh, you don't stand for this? Well, then I cancel you. Mm-hmm. I don't. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want you to be in my life. I don't want you to have anything to do with me. Um, A Gen Z pals cancel culture. So, yeah, it's 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 a little scary, mm. honestly, because there's no. It's like dialogue is stopping, mm. and basically everybody's holding up these proverbial signs mm. that say, "This is what I believe." Come gather around me if you believe what I believe. And if you don't, you better not come near me. Yeah. Which is really, really scary because that's how you compartmentalize and that's how you start making mistakes. Yeah. Um, There's not a conversation and there's not a mutual respect for the person that's across the table. Yeah. Um, So when I was thinking about what I wanted our worship ministry to do, um, the number one thing obviously is worship God. That's a... Duh, right? That's to me, that is the central focus of everything that we should be doing. Worshiping God isn't just corporately, it's at home, it's your day to day life, it's how you act out in public, so on and so forth. But there's a specific thing that just I could not, as I prayed over this and read read first Peter three eight, I could not let go of that our worship ministry needs to bring people together. Mm-hmm. So first Peter three eight says, finally all of you be like-minded, but it also says be sympathetic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Be like-minded, you know, be of one heart, one mind, be unified, but also be sympathetic to each other, right? Love one another and be compassionate and humble. It has been a huge burden of mine that a lot of that verse, it does not describe us as believers as a whole, like as, mm-hmm. as a group. We aren't like-minded. It's like it's it's like cancel culture has crept into our, our, our church. Let's not even talk about, when I say church, I'm talking capital C church. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not talk about the world for right now. Let's just talk about us. It's like, oh, well, if you're not, Calvinist, well, then you better not come near me. You better not talk to me. I don't yeah. want nothing to do with you. Yes, that was in proper English. It's okay. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, or or if, uh, oh, you're, you're, you go to an emerging church? Well, I go to an established church. I want nothing to yeah. do with you. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you would go to a church like that. You're Which, talking touch to on Touch on what emerging and established churches are. Okay, so there are definite... I would describe them as, I don't know, camps is the right word, but. Genres of churches? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it used to, and we're going to talk about worship wars later on in the season, um, but you have contemporary versus traditional, which has kind of been around since the, you know, 80s to early 2000s. Um, This dialogue of, well, should we be a contemporary church? Should we be a traditional church? Should we have contemporary worship? Should we have traditional worship? Um, well, now what has uh, a new a new argument is starting to arise, and it's the established church worship, which can be contemporary worship, yeah, versus emerging church worship. So, like when I say established church, I'm talking about churches like Spotswood, yeah, that's been around for you know seven, sixty, seventy, eighty years, 
or more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my previous churches had been around for 125 years. Another one had been around for 150 years. So those are definitely established churches. They've been around. They've stood the test of time. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, simply because they're a part of, they've created a culture that, once again, has stood the test of time, but they're also a part of the community. Like they're ingrained in it. They're, yeah. they're, they're deep roots there. Established church worship tends to lean more on the volunteer, I would say, um, than emerging church worship. Mm-hmm. Um, emerging church worship is your churches like Passion City, uh, Elevation, uh, Vertical Worship, which comes from Harvest Bible Chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, these churches are usually very massive, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. They're very big. Um, it's more of a, I would describe it as like a produced machine. Mm-hmm. Um, leans more heavily on part-time people and full-time people mm-hmm. with an occasional volunteer here and there. But the volunteers aren't in key roles. Yeah, they're in very and I and I may be that's that's a gross oversimplification, but that that's really the the two two. Descriptors I know how to use. Yeah, there. well, I think an even more simplified version is like the churches who have been around for forever that your grandparents went to, and then you grew up in, and that you might even still go to, and then the emerging church is like the church that you found in college that was planted because it became a big college town, right? Or you know something like that. So like where I'm from is in South Carolina, and our big what we would call emerging church is a place called new spring church shout out new spring i love my new spring people um so that is what we would consider an emerging church whereas my home church um is an established church riverside baptist um uh, and so there's a lot of them everywhere and that doesn't neither one is necessarily wrong yeah i would agree with that that that's i mean there, there are great things about both styles of churches. There are things that are wrong with both styles of churches. Mm-hmm. They all, they both have their faults because there are people that run them. Yep. Okay. Um, in terms of like the feet, boots on the ground, there are people. You know, obviously we believe that God is the head of the church. Um, he is the one that directs us and gives us instruction, so on and so forth. But as people are involved and they interpret what they believe God is telling that church body to do, there's going to be flaws regardless of whether it's an emerging church or, or a, an established church. Yeah. So. There are, um, to me, you have a lot of people asking, okay, should we do contemporary worship or traditional worship? Should our church look more like New Spring or should it look more like, um, you know, Bible Baptist Church, whatever? You know, I'm just making up a random name. Um, What should it look like? And people are very passionate about this. And what ends up happening is as they get more passionate, they start moving further and further away. Yeah. And instead of thinking about the person on the other side of the aisle as a person made in the image of God that God loves and cares about, they look at them as the other side. Mm. So when we're talking about mending hearts, I want our worship ministry at Spotswood, Spotswood Creative, I want it to bring people together, not push them apart. Yeah. So for me as the pastor in charge of all of this, I'm guiding people to not look at, is it contemporary or is it traditional? Is it established or is it emerging? Mm-hmm. I'm asking people to look at it and say, is it God honoring or not? Yeah. And let's just get behind that. Mm-hmm. So um, there are two distinctive church cultures in the church right now that are very, very clear, which just kind of goes along with the established church. Yeah. And, and um, emerging church model, you you kind of have this urban church feel, which most of your most of your emerging churches, like your New Springs, mm-hmm. your Elevations, they all feel very urban. When yeah. you step in into their worship centers, they don't like it, it doesn't have a traditional. Like our, you walk into our worship center, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, you've got these, these incredible stained glass windows. Um, but it feels like it feels like a established church. Yeah. It feels like it's been there a while. Well, the the urban church isn't that way. I would define us more as a, like a suburban kind of feeling church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the urban church. So I, I just define the urban churches: Passion City, Elevation, New Springs, so on and so forth. Suburban churches would be like Spotswood, 
I would put First Baptist Dallas in there, Woodstock Baptist Church down in Georgia. Um, that's kind of the feel. So all of these different lifestyles, these different cultures can be device, divisive. How can we bring them together? Mm-hmm. How can we make them not divisive? How can we mend these groups back together? And to me, that's through our worship, and it's through unity in Christ. Mm. So I see you got some scripture ready there to read. What you got? Well, I I just pulled up First um, Peter three eight because I have my handy dandy ESV study Bible, which I say handy dandy like it's tiny. It's as big as my computer, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I had it just to kind of read the footnotes and commentary. Um, but I found it interesting that. You know, First Peter three eight is what we based men hearts mm-hmm. out of, but you continue on into verse nine, um, and it says, "Do not repay evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may to, may obtain a blessing." Peter literally stops <laughs> in his statement of "bless that you may obtain a blessing" to say, "By the way, you were called to this," <laughs> and I just thought that was so interesting. Um, yeah, this is a requirement, right? Yeah, like this is this is super important. Let's not forget you were called to this. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like, which I, I don't have a kid, but I do have a dog. <laughs> and I when I'm reprimanding my dog, I look at her. I'm like, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Can you stop? What are you doing? And I feel like it's kind of like a toddler, or like a kid or someone that you're training to, you know, function and so I feel like Peter's kind of doing that like um hello what are you doing bless bless because you were called to this so that you may obtain a blessing um and I was just thinking about that as we were talking about unity in the church the big c church um and you know it was you were talking too about you know the urban suburban church the contemporary versus traditional all of those things and you were even talking about like the church building I do find it interesting because you said, that's my term for today, find it interesting. Um, I guess it is interesting. Um, You were saying how a lot of the emerging churches, um, they don't have like the more quote unquote traditional feel of it. So you're probably not going to see a stained glass window when you walk into Elevation. I don't know. I haven't been to Elevation. Josh, you can speak to that. But Yeah, Yeah, you won't see it when you go in there um, for sure. So, and not to say that they think those things are bad, but you, you're going to get more of like just a, a building, a yep. building vibe. Um, vibe is also a term I use. It's very technical. <laughs> um, and I thought about it and I feel like those emerging churches are more likely to draw in people who have baggage with an established church. Yeah. Um, and I think that is probably why they kind of strayed away from that that feel of walking in and seeing like this traditional church is because people that were coming in probably felt uncomfortable coming sure. to church and i i think it's important that we understand as believers unified believers in Christ that because people go to a church that doesn't look like yours doesn't make them bad right um and that's something that I I learned a lot about in college because I was coming from an established church um, and visiting a lot of emerging churches. And I think that we can stereotype those churches and we can assume like, oh, that person goes to an established church. So they're they're the type of person that I, I associate my baggage with. Sure. Or that's the type of building I associate my baggage with. Um and on the contrary, if you're in an established church and you're looking at people in emerging churches and you're like, well, they've forgotten who they're worshiping because they have this, that, and the other. Right. It's the same thing. And um, as far as unity goes, we need to look to what Peter is saying of, hey, bless, because you were called to this so that you may obtain a blessing. And by that, he just means like kindness with kindness, bless others because like the Lord has promised to bless you. Um and we're to be like him and unified in him. So, well, if you keep reading in that scripture down to ten, um, this I think this is very poignant for wh- where we are right now, mm. um, just as a society. It says, "For the one who wants to love life," so he's addressing someone who wants. If you want to, what he's saying is, if you want to love life, if you want to see good days, 
let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Mm-hmm. So let's break that down for just a second. If we are looking at these different church models and these different worship models, and all we can do is speak poorly of them, I like, don't get me wrong. I don't, if they're doing things theologically incorrect, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get that you that that needs to be called out. I I think that should that's a thing. With that being said, just because someone looks different than you, in terms of their church model and their church style and their worship model and their worship style, um, doesn't mean that they that you should just automatically go start speaking poorly of them. I can't tell you how many times, church. I can't tell you how many times. When someone starts complaining about, you know, makeup, I'll I'll just say some, I'll say New Spring. Let's just say New Spring. They'll complain Shout about out New, New Spring. Yes, we I love mean, our New Spring we people. Love New Spring. I, I've got several friends that work there. They're great, great people. But um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk poorly about New Spring that have never stepped foot in their church. Mm. That have that have never even listened to a message from Clayton King. Mm-hmm. They've never listened to. They've never experienced their worship setting. They just assume that because it's a big box church, mm-hmm. that that means that they're theologically irresponsible. That means that they um, don't really know what they're talking about. That means that they don't care about discipleship. That means that they don't care about um, the uh, you know being and working with a person one on one from a ministry standpoint, which is not true. You're assuming. Yep. And and so I think it's important in, in regard to 1 Peter uh, 3.10, it, it says, for the one who wants to love life and to see good days, if you want your life to be good, you cannot speak evil mm. just because you're assuming that you're correct. Yeah. It's one thing to actually hear it. And that is a thing. There are people that sing songs that are theologically incorrect. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. There are pastors that that preach a very loose theological theologically sermon. That that is a thing. So, yes, if you hear it, that is a thing. But look, we'll talk about how to address that in a mm-hmm. second. It's another thing to just assume because it doesn't look like you. Yeah. That that's what it is. And your preference doesn't necessarily mean your preference is the only one or the correct one. Correct. That's also correct. Um, so what do you, Bailey, what do you do? I guess, so this is where the conversation, mm-hmm. this is where Bailey and I, like we're totally off script right now, but what, this is where the conversation, <laughs> what do you do when you hear something that is incorrect? What is a biblical response that shows care for the person and doesn't pump the pump the I, I don't want to say accuser that's the wrong word but pump the per like because I feel like we live in a culture that when you find out that somebody's wrong it's like oh I get to tell them they're wrong yeah. I get to point out their fault I get to make them mm-hmm. look dumb like so what that that's not biblical yeah. that's it it to me that's evil that's like looking for your own well-being and to hurt someone else at the same time. So what's a good way of saying, "Hey, this isn't this this isn't what God intended." Yeah. How do you do that? Well, I think the first question to ask, well, and I think sometimes the humble way to the humble way to approach things is with a question. Mm-hmm. Um because me and anyone who has known me for any period of time knows that I tend to know what I want and I tend to say it (laughs) very clearly and very straightforward. So um, something that I've been learning is sometimes the humble way to approach things that are difficult to talk about or that you want a specific response out of is with a question because sometimes the answer to that question may be different than you anticipate. Mm. Um, And so I think a good, a good thing to say is like, can I just hear a little bit about why this is something you chose or like this song you chose or this message you chose. And, um, or maybe like it's with me and Josh and Josh wants to add a song to the set. And I'm like, I don't 
I don't really know how I feel about that one. Can you tell me a little bit why? And I may already have scripture to say, hey, I don't think this is good. Right. Um, but I think it feels less a- accusatory. Like right. it feels it feels less um, like you're anticipating to tell them they're wrong. Right. Um, and whether you feel that in your heart or not, that's something between you and the Lord. But I think that it matters how we talk to people. And some people may say, well, that's that sounds a little fake to me. I, I think that we have to start caring how people feel. And sometimes that doesn't mean going up to them and saying, well, I don't think what you did was right because it just that's just not kind. Right. <laughs> so I think I think posing things is a question. And then from that point on, it's it's actually hearing what they have to say, too, because you can't just ask a question and then choose not to listen because then it was pointless. So listen to what they have to say and then further go into discussion, because I think when people feel like they also have the dialogue and like the the place to speak, they're more prone to listen and to learn. Yeah. Well, I like to think of how Jesus dealt with how Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus, how Jesus dealt with Matthew, mm-hmm. you know, both them being, you know, tax collectors, people that that were despised. Mm-hmm. They were despised by their culture. So did Jesus, from his place of teaching, yell up to Zacchaeus hanging out in a tree, right? Did he yell at him, hey, you're wrong. You steal money from people and, and you know, everybody knows it. You're a crook, you know. I, we can't stand you. You need to correct your ways right now. Is that how Jesus handled it? No. He said, all right, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. I'm Let's coming talk. to eat at your house. Yeah. He he cared about Zacchaeus first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looked to Zacchaeus and saw that he was a person made in, I mean, we can say this, he was made in Jesus' image. He was mm-hmm. made in God's image, right? So, I'm. I feel very confident that after being with Jesus, Zacchaeus knew mm-hmm. where you know the areas of his life that he needed to correct. So I think if we approached it as like what you said, with a question and sincerity of actually caring about the person across the table, mm-hmm. that's going to mend your relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to make you grow apart. Um, I don't as does every one of our le- uh, listeners here, we we don't agree with a single person about everything. Mm-mm. As much as ba- Bailey's awesome, I, I assure you, I don't know what, but I assure you there's something that Bailey and I don't agree on. Mm-hmm. And instead of finding that one thing or two things and saying, washing my hands and saying, I, ba- Bailey, we just can't work together. Mm. We can't lead worship together. We can't have any, we can't have anything to do with each other. Sorry, you need to move back to South Carolina. This isn't working. Mm. Instead of doing that, what would happen if I chose to whatever those issues are that Bailey and I may disagree on? I prayed for Bailey, and I just talked to her about them. Yeah. And realized that it's not, we're not going to find perfect common ground on everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it says, I also think that's why it says in first Peter three, eight, be like minded, you know, but in the very next sentence or very next word, it says, and sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like I may not understand what they're going through. Yeah. You know, but I can care for them anyway. Yeah. You know, well, and I even think back to, and this is, <laughs> showing my age but I think back to I mean a situation that I was in at some point of <clears throat> where I posted a, a video of someone that I believe to have very sound opinions on the Bible and um, their theology I I feel like is solid and someone reached out to me and they said I saw you post this video um, of this person, I didn't, ha- I didn't disagree with anything in the video, but I disagree with some of the things this person says, you should not post about them anymore. And I was like, I, what do you mean? And they, they went on to tell me like, well, their stances on this, I don't agree with. And I feel like it can, it can be, uh, incorrect for you to, for you to support some of the things that they say. And I was like, well, I think, 
that's the beauty of people is that you can have differing opinions from people. Correct. Um, and I went on to say, like, I'm not sure that I do agree with everything that this person has said, but this this specific thing that they said, I fully support. Um, and I think that that's just how we have to think of each other. And, you know, like Josh was saying, like, made in the image of the Lord yep. <laughs> and in his likeness. And um, I think that will allow us to approach approach things with kindness and with understanding and with open ears because that's another thing is if we're going into a conversation just anticipating that we're we're correct it makes things so much harder and I can speak to that because I'm a person that loves to be right and there are some people genuinely that are like well it's just not worth my time it's not worth me proving that I'm right and I'm like oh it is I I I am right and I'm going to tell them (laughs) yes so (laughs) so I have to do that as well I have to check myself a little bit well, what is that's the danger of cancel culture. Oh, yeah. It's it's literally the opposite of mending hearts. Mm. The dangers of cancel culture is that it's a slippery slope. If you start down that, you're going to end up canceling your mother. Mm. You're going to end up canceling your father. You're going to end up canceling your children. You're going to end up canceling canceling your spouse because there is no one, no one, that you are going to agree a hundred percent on everything with there's no one yeah because we're all human and we're all different and we all have had different experiences now where i feel like we can mend hearts here is what can we get behind yeah that's the question and that brings us back to um the worship piece we can get behind that jesus is king yeah we can get behind that and that he loves everyone and they died on the cross for everyone and that if they accept him as Lord of their life, they can live with him forever. We can get behind that. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get behind that by itself, then you're you're not a part of the church. There's mm-hmm. no way of getting around that. So that's what we can be like-minded around. Um, I guess the question, Bailey, that I have for you is how can we show that we love one another through worship? What's one way, a practical, tangible way we can do that? I mean, and I've said this a million times, but I just feel like listening. Like, I feel like listening and caring about one another um, is worshipful. I feel like it is glorifying to the Lord. And I feel like standing beside a brother or a sister in Christ and singing a song to glorify the Lord that we may not love. (laughs) There are songs that I am so tired of singing. Correct. So tired of singing. Correct. And Josh and I talk about this. We talk about this a lot because we at Spotswood plan our worship sets like two months in advance, a month and a half in advance. Um, So Josh and I, and I'm sure other worship leaders can speak to this. We hear these songs way before our congregation does. Yes. And we listen to these songs over and over again because we become a, we become obsessed and excited about these songs before we actually present them to the church. So by the time we've presented them to the church, we're almost tired of them Yes, <laughs> because we've listened to them so much. So, but I think a way to love people well is to sing that song that we're tired of singing. Yes. <laughs> is to, with open hands and open hearts and open minds, lead that song and lead these people in worship knowing that the purpose of the song is to glorify the Lord. And if our, you know, us and our flesh are super tired of singing this song and um, we aren't willing to set that aside, then that hinders our worship. Right. And it hinders our ability to um, love the people in our congregation and lead them well. So I think that that is another thing to consider is if you're, for an example, if your grandma asks you to come to traditional worship with her one Sunday and you just really don't want to, but she has wanted you to for years and years and years, go to that traditional worship service I Sunday. I know. Give it a shot, man. And same thing, though, for the grandparents whose grandchild wants them to come to a contemporary worship service. Go with them to Elevation. Go with them to New Spring. Come to the 11 o'clock service at Spotswood. Right. And you may be surprised. Um, Absolutely, you'd be surprised. You know, so it goes both ways, and I think that is just some, that's one very simple way 
to love people well is to recognize the theology in our worship songs and to understand this is glorifying to the Lord. Let me glorify him in everything that I do. And that may be singing something that I wouldn't always sing. Oh, for sure. Well, and speaking to the worship leader specifically, um, it's like Bailey said earlier there, by the time we get to the point where we're ready to sing this, like actually introduce the song and sing it, we're sick of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we really are. And so maturity as the leader has to kick in. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll use my previous church as an example. Um, this is a good example. We, um, I, by my second year in, I created a survey and sent it out to everybody that was involved in our worship ministry, um, and asked them what songs they'd like to hear. Um, and one of the songs we had done, which every church in America beat into the ground is do it again. Mm. And what you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, <laughs> and you do it again. And once you're done, once you're done doing it again, you did it again. Yeah. You know, and you know, at my previous church, we they had gone through several seasons that were kind of difficult. And they needed they needed to hear that God was not finished with them. Mm -hmm. And the first time we did do it again in a service. Everybody and their brother came up to me afterwards. Can we do that song again next week? Please, mm -hmm. can we do that song again next week? Can we please do that song? I mean, it was every week. And so when I did this survey, we had probably done Do It Again eight or nine times mm -hmm. in the span of four months. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. There's only four Sundays in a month, right. usually. Right. So you're talking <laughs> about 60% of the worship yeah. services we did Do It Again. And when I tell you almost every one of those surveys came back, and one of the contemporary worship songs they asked for us to do was do it again. Mm. I wanted to pull my hair out because yeah. I was so sick of it. Yeah. I, like, how can this be? Because, I, I mean, I'm singing it multiple times a week trying to get ready for it on Sunday, yeah. right? Why should I have to do that? I'm so, we got to find something different. You, you got to mm. choose something different. And that's what my sinful side was saying. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. These people need to find something different. Why do they need the song? Mm -hmm. And the Lord convicted me is like, Josh, you if you don't listen to this need, because mm. that's a, that was a need. When you hear the vast majority of your congregation, I mean, or at least if your worship minister saying we need the song, because that was the way I mm -hmm. worded it. What songs do you need, need. to hear? Not yeah. what songs do you want. What, what songs do you need to hear? When they're all saying we need this one, yeah. And you're trying to shuck it off because you're tired of hearing it. You just made worship about you. Mm. And the people are worshiping your preferences. Come on. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> and the, like the next Sunday, do it again. Was on the, <laughs> and on we the, did it And again. we did it again. So <laughs> I said, say, sacrifice your wants for someone else's need. You want to mend hearts? That's the way you do it. Do exactly what Jesus did on the cross. For us, mm -hmm. he sacrificed his place in heaven. He, he stepped down from his throne and became a version of 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 human of me, right? Mm -hmm. And dealt with all the things I dealt with. He didn't have to. He chose to do that because he cared for me. Was well, worship leaders sacrifice your wants the same way Jesus sacrificed everything he had yeah. for his people? We're supposed to love the church the way Jesus loves the church. It's your turn. Yeah. Well, in I want to encourage you as a leader that that song kind of kind of what Josh was saying is that song that you might hate leading the Sunday that you have to lead it. If you allow the Lord to speak to you through that song, he'll show you something different. 100 percent. And I think back to I was probably in high school. It was, this is a song from the archives, 10,000 Reasons. Remember that one? Oh, my God. <laughs> How could we not? Gah, 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 gah. That's all I think of when I hear that, song, <laughs> that kick drum. Um, and we sang that one Sunday at the church that I was at. And I was like, I'm so tired of this song. Oh, my goodness. And I remember actively thinking that. And then we got into worship and we went into leading that song. And the Lord was like, oh, hey, by the way, you've never heard this before in this song. And he revealed things to me. I had heard that. I mean, that song had been out for three years at that point. Right. And I had heard that song so many times. And I was like, huh, it's amazing what will happen if you just choose to listen. Absolutely. And 
I just, I think as leaders, we, when we're choosing our preferences, we're not loving our congregation well. We're not being a good leader. Um, and it's hard to be loving in that way sometimes mm. because we do the things outside of a Sunday morning that people don't even know about or don't realize. They don't realize that we're sitting in, you know, our our rooms or our offices or whatever, practicing these songs over and over and over again and learning how to play that, you know, guitar lick perfectly or learning right. how to sing that note super well so you're not distracting. They don't realize that. And so we have to bring it as if it's the first time we're singing it to the Lord. Um, and we need to be just as worshipful when we're singing it for the hundredth time. Mm. And I think for us here at Spotswood, one thing that we're we're constantly checking ourselves on as worship leaders here is with our traditional service, you know, hymns, you, you have to work to make hymns carry in a service. Mm. Um, so there are two things we can do. We can be like, oh, this isn't as fun to sing, blah, 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 blah. I feel sorry for me, that kind of thing. And I, it's just ridiculous. Focus on the theology of these hymns. The hymns that we sing here are so solid. Um, theologically speaking, and they make you reflect. They make you mm-hmm. think. And that's something that I think is missing, um, th- that's missing just in the church as a whole, is is, is we, we don't sing songs that make us think mm. and ponder how good the Lord has been and what he is doing in our lives, how he saved us in the past. Um, uh, we, uh, we sang a song. Uh, somebody here asked me, you know, can we do... Can we do glorify thy name again? That was just so worshipful last time we did it. Well, the song, Father, we love you, we worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. And it's like, that's it, right? Glorify your name, glorify your name. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, here we go. But when we did it the, the next time in, in worship, the 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 traditional service just came alive. Mm. And and we sang one verse that was just really, really soft. And it was just, you could hear the congregate singing. Yeah. And, you know, hands were up in the air. They were, they were in... They, they were in the presence of the Lord, and that mm-hmm. song took them there. Be compassionate to those people, yeah. leaders. Yeah. Be compassionate to them. They they needed that. Yeah. And, and it's, there's a difference between a want and a need. There, there's a huge difference. Yeah. But they, they needed that. That's something that connected them to the Father. Um, well, in doing that, we're showing humility as leaders, which is the ultimate act of, you know, being like the Lord. Yep. <laughs> is humbling ourselves. Um, because he did that first and we cannot get so caught up in being the one that people are watching. Absolutely. Um, so that we think our opinions are better than theirs. So pastor David said, uh, he and I get together. Mm -hmm. He's our, he's our children's pastor. Just an amazing man. Um, we got together and had breakfast a few weeks ago and I was just telling him, Hey, Lord's really been working on me with humility and I'm, I'm, Struggling through it. Mm-hmm. Transparency, right? That's our logo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling through it. Can you help me out? And he goes, think about Jesus. Mm. I was like, okay, duh, right? And he goes, no, think about when he died on the cross. When he was hanging on the cross, when he was in the most painful state of his entire existence, what, what was he, he do? doing? Yeah. And he said he was thinking about the two people on either side of him. Mm, that'll get you. And, I mean, I got choked up. I just sat there. I couldn't say anything because I never thought of it that way, that even Jesus, when he was most uncomfortable, he was thinking about a guy who was denying him, mm. and he was caring for that person. And he was also thinking about the person on the other side who was you know, saying, hey, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Mm-hmm. He was caring for those people. So when, it, when I'm singing a song that's uncomfortable and I'm just like, I'm tired of singing this again, mm. that's nothing like what Jesus would have done. No. So leader, remember, be like him. Mm-hmm. Be like him when he was on the cross, sacrificing his self for you. Yeah. So. And congregants, see how you can love that person in your life that just wants to worship next to you. Absolutely. And that's hard. Um, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I went to church with my grandparents growing up and they went to a more traditional style church and I wish I would have done that for them more um because what do they do they watch me lead worship on Sundays now they pull up the live stream even from 450 miles away and yep um same with my parents and just family and they do that and they 
they are sure to encourage me and tell me how much they love worshiping with me. And I think that that is just a way that makes me feel loved mm. and shows their love for the Lord too. And so I encourage you to do that if it makes you uncomfortable doing something and worshiping in a style that you're not used to. Maybe that is one way that you can humble yourself and show compassion and love. So just a quick recap, and then we'll get into it, get into yay, nay, or pray. All right? <laughs> Church, it's important that we are like-minded in our worship, that we mend our hearts together, that we're sympathetic for those who may think differently than us, especially especially on tertiary issues that just, come on, you know, um, that we love one another, that we're compassionate, and we're humble. All those things will mend us together, and we won't be divided if we keep that in the forefront of our mind. So, Bailey, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to flip the script, all right? Okay. Can I flip the script? Oh, okay. Yay, yay, nay, or pray. Now, we're a little late to the party on this one. This has been a, a one that has been talked about for a while. Yay, nay, or pray, just a reminder, this is where we talk about a song. Should you do it, should you not, or should you pray about it and mm-hmm. think about it? So here's the song. Hillsong Worship, okay? What a beautiful name. Yay, nay, or pray. And there's a reason why I'm asking that, and I'll let you Okay. So let me just preface with I... I'm a big Brooke stan. <laughs> I have talked to Josh about this so many times. I love her. I love Hillsong. Um, and I love this song. Now, talking about songs we've sung a million times, Beautiful Name is a song that I have sung a million times. For sure. In every single place that I've led worship. Um, but it's a great song. And it's probably one of those songs that I imagine myself singing in the throne room one day um and i love it that much but there has been some debate over this one little line yep and it's a fair debate it is a fair debate um but it was funny because i didn't know it was a debate until i came here and josh told me about it yep um and it's the line of the song in verse two where it says you didn't want heaven without us so jesus you brought heaven down um and I understand what the what the debate is because sure. people are like, well, God did want heaven without us. Like, you know, that was part of their debate. Or Because I we're mean, sinful, we're fallen. But, He's yeah. not going to let sinful fallen come into heaven. Yes, exactly. Um, but, and, you know, the way that it was written, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down, which I find so much truth in that, and that resonates with me like so deeply just because I think about Jesus who is this perfect man but also God who came to walk among sinners right and exemplify how we should be and how we should mirror him um and he humbled himself to like walk among us and so I just thought it was so interesting I think something that is important to discuss about worship songs is a lot of worship songs have metaphors. Yes. And I think that the intention behind this song and the intention of how it was written to say, well, you didn't want heaven without us to Jesus. You brought heaven down because Jesus came to redeem us. Right. Jesus came to save us from our sins so that we could join him in heaven. And I think that's, important to keep in mind when you're singing this song and choosing to put it in your set is, okay, the deep theology behind it is, no, the Lord does not want sinful creatures in heaven, but that was the purpose of Jesus. Right. So Jesus came down to save us and redeem us so we could join him in heaven. So I say this song is a yay. I I feel like it is solid overall and it points to the gospel. I mean, the whole bridge is literally the story of, the gospel yes um well yeah it's for me it's a yay as well mm -hmm. i i think that it's it's important to understand the heart behind what is said Mm -hmm. um and that does not mean that if something says something theologically incorrect that you that as long as their heart was right you know that you should sing it because you could cause somebody to stumble but in this song you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. He left his throne in heaven, 
still remained perfect here. Mm -hmm. So that part is very, very true. Um, I also think that there is some truth to that Jesus knew that there was no other way for mm-hmm. there to be reconciliation. Yeah. So if there was going to be reconciliation between us and him and for us to be able to live in eternity with him, he did have to leave his throne. Mm-hmm. So there is some truth in that. Yes, that so that, that maybe, maybe Hillsong could have worded it that way to make it a little bit more clear. But to nit, like nitpick this apart is just absolutely silly. Yeah. There there's clearly everything about the song is very well intentioned. That just to me is a little bit un I, I would not call it incorrect. I would call it unfortunate wording. Well, and I think a, a way that I would defend this is it's not the term you didn't want heaven without us is not a standalone statement. And it's not sung like a standalone Yeah, there's a comma after it, and you finish it. Yeah, It's not sung like that. And so I think phrasing is important. There are songs that Josh and I have talked about where the phrasing is poor. It could be justified theologically, but to lead it from the platform, the phrasing is too poor for us to justify it. Correct. So This is not one of those This is not one of those songs. And so if you're not familiar with a song, which I feel like most of you are, it's sung, You didn't want heaven without us. Jesus, you brought heaven down. So it's like one continuous statement. Um, And I think that that is important to understand. And something that mentors have taught me is it's not about what you intend, but it is about what you communicate. And I think that goes back to what Josh was saying about, yes, intentions are good here, but they also did communicate it effectively. They could have communicated it better, sure, but it was still effective communication in my opinion. Um, and it's not always that way. So it is important to examine, but I think it's a yay. I think it's a yay too. Um, so to kind of land the plane here, we want to hear from you guys. Yep. You know, we, we talked, we've talked about the yay, nay, or pray twice now in the last two episodes. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on some of the things that we're talking about. Um, so, uh, send us, connect with us on social media at Spotswood Creative. That's on Instagram, Facebook. Like we said last last episode, if you will send it to us in our direct messages, we'll mm-hmm. respond to you. Uh, don't put a comment on our wall, <laughs> you know, because that I don't know. It just opens up a dialogue that may not need to be opened up publicly. Publicly. So uh, send it to us uh, in a direct message, and we'll get to you. You can also email us at Spotswood Creative at Spotswood.org. Um, yeah, and we'll get to you. Yeah. So be sure to rate the podcast and share it. And we will be back in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, keep it 100.